Are you joyful this morning? That, I didn't mean that actually as a formal way of saying, are you happy clappy? I didn't ask that. Because they're two different things. If you see, looked at your uh, bulletin this morning, you see the, the one word <clears throat> this morning is joy. <clears throat> I want us to talk about that. That's not always easy. Last week, we dealt with personality under construction. And we noticed at times, in various ways, actually, uh, last Sunday, how it was easy to make secondary what was primary and primary what was second, secondary. Somewhat in continuation with that theme, and certainly extraordinarily important in this very day and age, I think we need to revisit as Christians, what is it we talk about when we talk about joy? I meet people sometimes, they say, well, you know, all this kind of Christian stuff and, and you know, that we're just happy inside and we just know Jesus and everything is just, you know, happy and joyful. That's just not so. And a lot of people, if they don't think any deeper, maybe even some of you say, yeah, that's just a bunch of uh, whatever. Hooey. Um, so joy is this thing that is kind of hard to define. It's maybe even, even harder to explain because it kind of comes when we don't always expect it. And certainly at times when there's no real reason to be joyful, then at other times when we do expect the sins of joy kind of overwhelming us, it's not there. And, and, uh, and even at times when it should have been there because everything is just right, we should have felt joyful. And we, for some reason, can't seem to find joy any place anywhere. Now, why is this important? It is important because of life. It's important for all kinds of reasons. This is not a side issue as if it didn't matter whether we knew real joy or not. You see, joy is a creator in a sense, right? Joy creates more energy greater involvement, better worship, better churches, better fellowships, better exams. We got anyone in school? Huh. Better products in the workplace. Joy matters, friends. Better families, better marriages, better friendships. It gives a greater will to share with others, more desire and willingness to sacrifice and to give in general, more openness, greater forgiveness. Should I go on? Joy matters. It matters for all kinds of reasons. And even having said all that, I've, I've not still mentioned that 
that even science will admit and, and, and have found now that joy is probably the best medicine for great health that human beings can find. No night's sleep, as you know, good and well, is better than the night's sleep that happens on the pillow of joy. Joy is so much more than just the opposite of sorrow. It is so much more than, than if you will, just kind of a, a sidekick to satisfaction that I feel pretty good about things. Psalm 39, 37, if you have it, if you can't quite find it, just open the Bible to so the middle of it, you should land in the Psalms and then you go back and forth till you find 37. I'm going to read with you from verse 3, if you'll follow. Do not fret, is verse 1. That's setting the stage. Do not fret because of evil men. And then verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourselves or find your joy in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil, for evil men will be cut off. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Find your joy in the Lord. Most of your translations likely will have delight yourself has to do with how translation works. But this is a word that is used for joy. It is, it is Kaufman Kohler in the Jewish encyclopedia actually who is, who is finding that there is no language given that has more words for joy than the Hebrew language, the language in which the Old Testament is written. And it's about 27 words that express joy in many ways and from all kinds of angles. And we can struggle with things like that because we know joy, glad, happy. And we run out pretty quick, right? And that's about what we have. And it's a little bit like I say snow to you. And then there's another word for snow that is like uh, snow, we don't do snow much, right? You go to places where they have snow all the time. There's a plethora of words for snow, right? Hard snow, kind of soft snow, more snow, kind of bluey snow, all kinds of snows that they know because they know how to express a particular kind because that's what they live with. And think about this. In the Old Testament, all these words designed to describe the participation in the celebration of who God 
is. We need more than one or two words to express joy. It's a powerful, powerful thing, right? It's a mighty contrast to all these religions around the rituals of the religions around God's people, the celebration that they might have of their gods rise up as a mighty contrast the worship of the almighty God. Proclamation and celebration of joy. Just think about it. Those who worship God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, and Jacob, they experience it as the utmost expression of joy to stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder with other believers and singing God's praise. Four, verse, uh, chapter 16 of the book of Psalms, the Lord said, you have made known to me, O Lord, the path of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence. So how are we supposed to think about joy? After all, we live in a world where kids get shot in school. Things are horrible when we look around in so many ways. Neighborhoods, you don't dare to send your kids out because you don't know if they'll come back home. Airplanes fly, fly into towers. Explosions, even yesterday, right? New York City. Natural catastrophes that we hear more about than we've ever heard about it. Not necessarily because they happened way more than they ever did, but we hear about everything now, right? Everything. Something happens on the coast of... West Africa, we know about it here. Maybe before they heard about down the street right there. We hear about everything and it's overwhelming. Travesty, difficulty. How in the world can we read a psalm like this on a day and in a time and in a decade, maybe a century like this? Well, these, my friends, are God's word and, and they help us. They encourage us. They enable us to see what matters and how we look at life and how it is that when we find joy-stealing or joy-depriving issues, joy-robbing situations, what do we do? How do we look? Is it possible to experience the kind of joy that creates all the things that I mentioned just a little bit ago. I think what we find here is that here's a word for all of us. All of us. The encouragement to joy is both found in the Old Testament, like here, for example, but so many other places and in the New. Rejoice always. It doesn't fall any... It's not difficult for me to repeat it. Rejoice always. 
Paul says in the New Testament. So he's speaking to all of us about the need to rejoice and to find true, genuine joy. It doesn't matter, really. If we feel, well, I'm kind of lighthearted anyway, I don't think things, take things that, that serious, so I kind of have a way of, of, of staying on surface and, and I don't get down too much, I'm okay. This must be for other people. No, this is a word for you. And the same is true if you are on the opposite side of that scale and you find yourself always weighed down, your heart is like lead, things are just tough, everything you see are dark clouds and life is just hard to get a grasp on and and yet the word is right here delight yourself or find your joy in the Lord or rejoice always and I say again rejoice the encouragement for joy is for all of us so let's look back in the text and just notice what's going on right here. In verse 4, as we just read it right here, kind of the central point, find your joy or delight yourself in the Lord. It's just wrapped right in front of it. Trust in the Lord and do good. Right after it, verse 5, Commit your way to the Lord. Verse 7, be still before the Lord. Verse 1, as I said when we began to read, kind of sets up the issue. Do not fret or fear or get excited or worry or, or get concerned or heated or Aroused, well, however we translate that word that is here in my translation, translated with the word fret. Do not fret. And then the answer comes. Then the answer comes. Just flows from that. Verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 7. Answers what we see in verse 1. When you feel overwhelmed with what's going on, all the difficulties of this world and certainly in your own life seem to overcome you and overwhelm you. You seem surrounded by darkness, heavy thoughts. You hear about all these things. You say, how is it that some can be so evil? And how is it possible for David just to say, don't fret, evil man. Don't fret. Then we see there is something right here. David knew exactly what that was about. And he says the answer to that is to be so captivated, so obsessed, if you will, although that word has somewhat negative connotation, but so swallowed up, maybe that's a better way of saying it, by God himself, that there becomes a new way of looking at life 
and things around it. What David is doing, he is making a very deliberate, not, not coincidental, but deliberate refocusing of his perspectives and his life. Don't look around you first and foremost. Look up. Don't fret those around you that are even. Look up. Commit your way to the Lord, verse 5. Trust in the Lord, verse 3. Be still before the Lord, verse 7. Let's begin with verse 3 really quick. Trust in the Lord and do the good and, and you shall live safely in the land. What? Are you reading these verses and you're saying, well, you know, that sounds good and it's in the Bible so I don't have to think about it. I'm just moving on to the next verse. You know, we do that, don't we? Sometimes. We can almost numb ourselves when we read scripture. Yeah, I read my verses. And we don't stop to say, what? What's going on here? And what is going on is don't allow your circumstances to rob you of your joy. You can feel safe in the Lord's presence. You can trust him. The sentence here about trusting the Lord has direct reference to the experience that God is trustworthy. You can trust what he says. Not just read it and think that's some kind of ideal, maybe so, I'm not sure. At least it doesn't apply to me. You can trust God when he promised that he will protect you. And if that's true, where then is the need for that joy depriving or joy robbing worry if you truly trust in the Lord's protection? If you have refocused the way you look at the world and at God. Verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. That says the same in many ways, just from a different angle or different perspective, if you will. The sense about trusting that Lord spoke to the foundation for your life. This sense about committing your way to the Lord speaks to the direction of your life. The Hebrew word here really means that you roll something away. That's what we translate here with commit. Like you're rolling other things away so that you can do that one thing or even the other way around. You live in such a way that you experience how God is rolling away the burdens from your shoulder. Somewhat the same that we Read about in Joshua chapter 5 when the Lord says to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from your shoulder, from you. Joy and trust are more together, friends, 
and goes hand in hand with the commitment to the Lord's way. There's so much that could be said about this, but just for the sake of time, let me, let me move on and we'll come back a little bit to some of this later on. The direction of your life. But beyond that, that foundation, trust in the Lord and the direction, commit your way to the Lord. There's another emphasis here in verse 7 that speaks to a rethinking or refocusing on your longings in this life. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. The quietness before the Lord simply speaks to that longing with which you want and long to see his direct action and will for your life. There's so much stuff in these verses that we can skate over. Unfortunately, some things we might not have time for that I hope you will spend some time maybe even dwelling on when you get home. If you truly desire to know joy, deep-seated joy, look to him. Wait. Spend your time praying. You know, we spend so much energy, so much thought, focusing, so much prayer even, focusing on the things around us. It's like that's where we need to look and we got to come up with some things to fix it and then ask God to bless what we come up with. Compare that to the amount of time we spend actually listening to God and bathing our prayer in our awareness that he is still in control. Look here, listen to this warning. Don't fret about what's going on around you. Put your focus on the Lord. And maybe I can say, like I said with the other things, where is the need? Really, it's for this joy depriving or robbing or joy stealing, whatever word you want to use. Uncertainty. If you truly trust that the Lord's will will work its way through. There's so many things that are easy to say and not too easy to follow. Is that not true? See, joy, of course, is from one angle an emotion. But it's so much more than that. Can't be reduced to just emotion. What does it mean really to say find your joy in the Lord? I think sometimes we, we mess this up because we have, as I said also last Sunday, we have made primary what should be secondary and secondary what should be primary. And we maybe even see 
reward as, I mean, if we ever see joy as a reward for doing good things, we may even read these verses that way. If we would just trust a little bit more, if we will just commit a little bit more, if we would just be still a little bit, then as a reward for that, God will give us joy. And if we don't have joy, it's probably because we didn't do the other good enough. And so we just cleanse our teeth and we kind of do more of it. I think that's completely missing what David is saying right here. David's presenting a scenario that is exactly the opposite. It is by trusting the Lord, by committing your way to the Lord. It is that being still before, that in itself is the joy. That's the joyful thing. I don't know that we can quite grasp it. Maybe an illustration would be better. When I do things for people I love, I don't do them so that by doing these things, hopefully I will gain some joy in my heart. It's the other way around. It is because I love these people that I do these things out of joy. Doing them is joyful. That's the way it turns, friends. We don't do things for people we love so that we may earn some kind of, find some kind of joy from doing that. We do these things because it is a joy to do them because we love. That's how it works also with God. One, the wrong way of doing that is you're always on the hunt for some kind of joy reward or whatever we may call it. The other finds its joy in the service and in the trust and in the commitment and in the stillness before the Lord. There's so much to be said, but let me ask you, how do you find your joy? Maybe I should just sit for five minutes and let you think about that. Let you take notes in that blank sheet we have in the bulletin that stay blank way too often, friends. What's the Lord saying to you on this? How do you find joy? A lot of people find it very difficult when the Bible speaks about joy as almost some kind of commandment. Certainly here, find your, your joy in the Lord or even in the New Testament as I quoted from Paul, rejoice always. And I say it again, rejoice. Certainly, joy is an emotion, but it's more than that. It's also a reality that comes from a certain way of being and relating to God. Let me, let me see if I can express this. The emotional side of joy, of course, I think we know, don't we? 
Most all of us know that. That's the kind of joy we find when things are going our way and, and you know, we feel like we're in very kind of fortunate circumstances. And things are great and we can be overwhelmed with, with joy. I, I find it when my little grandkid come running up and says, Fafa, and jumps up and uh, Marfa jumps up and, and hangs around my neck. That's immediate emotional joy. Right? We all get that. It's the kind of thing that is automatic, kind of bubbly, almost, oh yeah, this feels really good. I'd imagine that's the exact same feeling Jesus is expressing in Luke chapter 15, right? When, when the prodigal son comes back and the father rejoices, when the woman has lost a coin, finds her coin, when the shepherd finds his sheep and there's joy, immediate joy. Woman coming up behind Jesus, afraid. And so she touches the hem of his garment. She had been bleeding for 18 years. Suddenly, she's healed. Can you imagine the joy that would have filled her body? Gentiles, Christians who hear that they don't have to become Jews and circumcised, they're not filled with joy. That's the kind of emotional, immediate kind of joy. We can go on with example upon example. You know some from your own life. But joy is not just that. Joy is also engagement and action really. The kind of joy that the Bible commands among those who belong to the Lord cannot be reduced just to bubbly happiness. It's independent, really, of emotion. We see it, Jesus says it straight up, with words that cannot bring emotional joy. Rejoice, he says to his disciples. When you're persecuted, ridiculed, lied about, and his half-brother James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you are persecuted or facing all kinds of trials. Not some kinds, all kinds. We can go on with examples. There's one that I probably shouldn't mention, yes, from Proverbs. Rejoice. In the wife of your youth, regardless of she is still one you want to rejoice over, right? Or we could turn it around, right? And said, rejoice in the husband of your youth, regardless of he is now bald or round-bellied or doesn't say if she stays fresh and sharp and good looking, right? You can laugh, that's okay. <laughs> After all, we're talking about joy, right? So at least that emotional part of here. Is it truly possible to find joy? Is it truly possible to find joy when everything seems to be the opposite? The Bible says, yes, it is. Because joy is not anchored in emotion alone. 
It's a fruit of the Spirit, a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a result of the life that you live when you draw close to God. Rejoice, Jesus says, when your names are written in the book of life. Rejoice that you will see me again. I'm going to go away for a little bit. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to come back. And when I come back, you shall be where I am. Yeah. Rejoice. Even jump for joy because your reward will be great in heaven. Now look back, Psalm 37. How do you find that joy in the Lord? I, I trust you realize that, that when the Old Testament has Lord in all caps, it refers to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, the one true God. It's the I am God. When you see it just written normally with a capital L and and small letters O-R-D, it just refers to the word Lord as, as we think of Lord. It's still a, a great title, but it becomes a title and not the name. So all we learn here is to bail your life in the Lord. Trust the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. It is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. That is, it's an expression of the life you live in the presence of God. It's a product. And you know how it is with fruits, right? You don't work the fruit. This is one of the most powerful things that you'll see in the New Testament. You got in in, in Galatians, a list of the deeds, plural, of the flesh. Yes? Things you do that are opposing to God. Those who are doing these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Plural. Lots of things. You would expect a list of the opposite. Yes? All good things that you do that God really likes, but it's not. The opposite of that list of the deeds, plural of the flesh, is the fruit of the Spirit, singular. There's one fruit that expresses who you become in the presence of God. It's, when you say a fruit, what do you do? You can't do a fruit, right? You, you till around the tree, you... You make sure things are right, you, you make it grow, and you help that, and fruit comes out, yes? And it fruit can be red and round and coarse and sour, all at the same time. It's not either round or red or coarse or sweet. It is all of these things, yes? It's one fruit that comes, and your task is to draw close to God. You see the other things stealing your joy, and the access then becomes, or the word then becomes, draw close to God. This is an amazing psalm, and we have lost some of that, some of the power of it, simply by translating it into English. In the Hebrew, every other verse begins with the successive letter of the alphabet, like verse 1 will begin with an A, verse, and so on, right? Right? 
of the Hebrew alphabet. And so this delight that we find in verse 4, the word here is the word for excessive joy. When the believer delights or finds joy in the Lord, his or her desires will align with God's desire. That's the point, friends. If there's going to be any hope for this world, for us as individuals and as Christians, we need to hear this, right? What can be the greatest antidote to the massive amounts of bad news we hear all the time? The good news. A church who lives in the presence of God, who is filled with that joy that cannot just be reduced to happy, clappy, I'm smiley all the time. Who cares about that part? That's nice but not what really matters. Find your trust and your joy by growing close to God. Nothing else matters, friends. When that becomes your life, it will be like we read about in Scripture. People will look at you and say, oh, wow, what's with you? I want some of that. If they look at you and they say, well, you know, like everybody else, you know, they're concerned and thinks it's just bad and they speak the same language about everything as we do. They have the same way of solving both their own and the issues of the world that everybody else does. What do we need you for? Yes, this matters, friends. Greater energy, greater all these things, right? If you got all these things I said, just listen to the tape. It's online someplace, yes? I say this because I think this really matters. It's not just, yeah, that would be cute. Hear it, friends. Draw close to God. And the innermost parts of your life will have a new perspective. And joy will come. Maybe like you have never known it before. May we pray. Father, thank you for not just leaving us to whatever comes our way. Father, teach us these things from your word that it may truly transform and translate even our lives into a new reality, new way of thinking when we get fretted and worried and fearful from what we see around us, help us to look up. May we know that joy that comes from trusting you and from committing our ways to you. As we do, may even better, Father, may that be our joy and we see the inseparability of these things. We love you. And because of that, we want to draw close to you. We are simply, we are simply tired of just same old, same old, no real difference kind of commitment. Speak to us.
There will be some here this morning, Father, I know that that needs to either come here and kneel or or grab someone's hand and, and pray with them where they are. There may be others that need to totally recommit their lives. Others, again, may need to come and find you for the first time. And yet we know also that we can't do this alone. We need the daily and constant encouragement from a community. Father, there will be some that need to join this community and others that that have joined, but they're not really a true part of it. Father, I ask that you would draw, draw us close to you. And may we not ever be satisfied until we can say, I have found my joy in the Lord. Amen and amen. Let's stand. And friends, you heard the invitation here given as a prayer. If God has spoken to you, please respond accordingly.